This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB, Saturday afternoons from 3 to 6. Today's a bonus. I'm on from 12 to 2 this Sunday live, so feel free to call 404-872-0750 or 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I just got a call from Jacqueline, who is the tweep at ATL Connector, a local... uh, business liaison i guess she uh but i love her tweets we have a great relationship she calls herself a conservative we were talking about uh trump at cpac calling himself a conservative he defined i have to define it on his behalf as different because what atl connector said was she i asked her to define it and she said she loves the constitution and she loves this country now i don't know whether trump loves this country or not i i think people think he does but that I've never heard him really say anything about the Constitution or advocate for it in any way. But for me, conservatism, uh, it, is, it is actually pretty close to what ATL Connector said in that conservatism means different things. It is a relative term because it means to conserve, which not change. Liberal should be a more objective term, but it isn't. It should derive from freedom. So in this country, classical liberalism and traditional conservatism are very close, if not the exact same thing, in my opinion, which is the founding principles of limited government uh, and a federation over a national state. So I think uh, the conservatism in this country is a return to the founding principles, which are classical liberal, which is libertarian, not liberal liberal like you think of it. But like in Europe, conservatism is a cult more like the monarchy because that's their past. Anyway, I don't want to split hairs by redefining terms, but it's misleading to think like what conservatism was in this country didn't have anything to do with, and I just read you passages from how and when it was redefined by Irving Kristol and his clan, who had first been neoliberals and then became neoconservatives as uh, absolutely embracing and enhancing and uh, taking over the power and promise of big government in order to have political power and get what you want, which is what Trump said he was fighting against, but he isn't because he's working with and for that crap. So, uh, but another thing ATL Connector said was why people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And she said they like her because they think her friends like her because they think AOC is rebellious and goes against the grain. And we were talking about how Binkley has pointed out a long time ago that Ocasio is really the Trump of the left. And that theme is starting to emerge. Rush said it. It was in the Wall Street Journal. Not in those words, but that they describe her in the terms that people describe what they like about Trump. And but it triggers the left if you say that. But so on, on during the break, Binkley found the latest tweets from Ocasio and from Trump. And just to bring home what they're that it, it isn't far-fetched to say that they that they serve the same purpose on the different sides of the aisle. I think. I didn't hear the tweet, so let's see, Binkley. I'll tell you if I agree with you. 
They both have tweets from two hours ago that go after the media. Trump says the hostile Cohen testimony given by a liar to reduce his his prison time proved no collusion. His written book manuscript showed that what he said was a total lie, but fake media won't show it. And then Cortez, on the other hand, says... The Post put the fact that I get into cars while proposing a plan to invest in better car technology on their front page. Pack it up, folks. The Pulitzer's been decided. No one can rival this kind of hard-hitting journalism. Wow. Sarcasm? Attacking the press? You could you could put Trump's name on that, and I, I don't think people would find it. I, Randy Quaid, I can hear Randy Quaid yeah. reading that. Maybe they're dating <laughs> the two of them secretly. <laughs> Randy Quaid tweet reading. If there's an easy one, let's do that. You know how I love when Randy Quaid reads Trump's tweets with gusto. But I want to talk a little bit about Ocasio. So I call BS uh, let me just take this uh, call. It's somebody who disagrees with me and I, I like that as long as it's friendly. So I'm going to go to Bill. Bill, you are on with Monica. Hi, Bill. Hello, Monica. How you doing? Uh, feisty. I'm a Goldwater conservative. All right, let's hear it. Okay. Well, you uh, questioned uh, Trump's conservatism. He he has so many things to talk about, but uh, the Supreme Court justices, uh, Kavanaugh, and uh, the person before it and Gorsuch. the ones going up for appeals are all, all right, well, being let's... vetted by the Federal Society. And if you listen to NPR, they call it a far-right extremist outfit. Right. And they are constitutionalists to the core. Look, hold on, Bill. Let's take it slow. Let's take it slow. What do you like about Kavanaugh as a conservative? Uh, well, just read uh, the opening of... Um, Goldwater's book, uh, The Conscience of a called, Conservative. Yeah, Conscience of a Conservative. Uh, that that just blew me away many years ago when I read it. But I'm saying, and what makes you think Brett Kavanaugh is a conservative? He's a constitutionalist. What makes you say that? Uh, he said it, and the um, uh, but his actions so far. Uh, I don't. I don't agree with Roe versus Wade. It's, uh, in in my opinion, a bad decision. I but, think that also is a bad decision. But here's the thing: Kavanaugh's track record does not support that he's a constitutionalist because he was supporting all the surveillance measures that violated the Fourth Amendment. I don't buy into his thing, and I think the left actually liked him because he covered up the Vince Foster murder, or at least the investigation that his predecessor quit because he said Vince Foster, the evidence does not support a ruling of suicide, and further investigation is required. And I believe Kavanaugh. I, I know Kavanaugh. I put that to bed. So I believe he got cover from the left and that the Blasey Ford fiasco was just smoke and mirrors so that the right would think he was a champion of the right. But in fact, there's no reason to think that. And this new conservatism is willing to sacrifice the Bill of Rights for their neoconservative interventionism. What's a neoconservative? I've heard that term neo- from left. Right. The neoconservative. I was just reading and I highly recommend I'll tweet it out my review, but you can read the book yourself. Uh, it's called Neoconservatism, the Autobiography of an Idea. And it was written by Irving Crystal, Bill Crystal's father. 
when he launched this movement to take over the Republican Party. And he says we need a conservative welfare state and we need to be more aggressive in foreign policy so that we can uh, affect what we desire in the world. It's a very controlling big government philosophy that has taken over the Republican and now neoconservative uh, national dialogue there. The, po- the political party has pivoted to what Irving Crystal called for. So you're, I, I would, a, a Goldwater conservative is okay. A Coolidge conservative is even better. But these people are not that. They throw those, all those basic principles out the window and they adopt American exceptionalism, which is an exception to the rule of law, the, the law of nations, this idea of respect for sovereignty. They say we are an exception to that. It's not a principled position. And I think this is all smoke and mirrors. Well, I, um, I welcome the, the demise of the Weekly Standard and both the Crystals, Irving and Bill. Okay, good. Uh, uh, really grated my nerves by saying that they were conservative and all that sort of thing. Because I do agree they, they wanted an intrusive government. Uh, yeah. It's going to take a while to dismantle uh, almost 100 years of uh, intrusiveness. But do you think Trump's and, trying uh, to dismantle it? Excuse me? Do you think Trump is trying to dismantle that? Yes. Give me a couple of uh, examples. Of, With infrastructure of, and tax? tremendous amount of regulations. I have friends in the business community who are very happy. Oh, may I make one, one real important comment? Yeah. One thing that really bugs me about Sean and Rush is they say that conservatism is the reason that uh, we are such a great nation. Uh, And then they talk about free markets. The thing is, they don't know what uh, a free market is, and they don't know what... uh, Anyway, here's the definition of capitalism. uh, This is from uh, Milton Friedman. Number one, you have the God-given right to own personal property, real estate, and means of production. Number two, if you, uh, if the government wants to take your personal property, real estate, or means of production, they, you <clears throat> must be given just compensation. Then number three, if you do not get just compensation, you have the constitutional right to have a trial by by jury of your peers to determine what's just compensation. That is American capitalism. And when the left starts saying, uh, setting up straw men uh, about uh, uh, capitalism uh, exploits the workers and destroys the environment. I have to to just take issue with one thing there. That number two, I've always disagreed with this, and it is in the Constitution, but I don't agree with it. I don't agree that they that the government has the right to take your property without your consent as long as they compensate you in what the market considers just. You have the absolute right to property ownership. Now, uh, I have to disagree with you there because sometimes you need you need an interstate uh, <clears throat> a road system. Why? Or you need a railroad Why? system. You, the private industry can do that. The only successful rail system in our history was the private one. You mean the Northern Pacific? Yes. Well, yeah. They, you know, that guy had to had to ask people, 
and use his wits. I mean, Trump did that. I believe he built a casino over somebody's house. Was that him? Because he couldn't get the her to sell it. I mean, you have to deal with that. But, you know, that's probably... Yeah, he was a private entity. He was a private entity. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm government. saying. I'm saying private entities. I don't... You know, I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I'm such a capitalist. I believe that capitalism itself, the mechanisms of capitalism, will result in a self-ordering society. That you, that you, you're simply your right of self-defense, your your private property rights will give rise to peaceful trade. And um, but that's a whole nother, uh, whole nother topic. And I'm running out of time. Bill, great call. Thank you so much. Uh, tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Be right back with more. Monica Perez. It's like everything I've been brought up to believe was all made of bull****. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We're back. Had a great call. Thank you, Bill, for calling. I really like uh, to try to get to the meat of the matter. One thing Bill said, which I thought was very important on, uh, as an application to a larger issue. One of the things that... Um, bolstered his case that Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh, was a conservative. So first of all, we could redefine, we, you know, we have to define conservative. And second of all, uh, it depends on what you use as evidence. And one of the things he said is NPR calls him a far right uh, judge or whatever. So it's evidence, it feels like evidence that the left doesn't like this person from the right. It validates his credentials as a person of the right, even though I think the left likes him because of what he did to put to bed the Vince Foster case, on, uh, which benefited Clinton. But I claim that that is exactly how Trump's numbers, that he actually won the election, or however you want to look at it, however valid you think elections are, he won the election without spending any money, basically, because CNN made it crystal clear or made it sound like they were running scared, running scared. And the guy who runs CNN is Jeff Zucker, who used to be Trump's boss on The Apprentice. So we get our narratives from the other side. And that's a little, you want to give you pause. So Binkley, you had a couple of good quotes. So I don't know if we'll get to both of them, but may, oh, you know what? Start with the Orwell one and then we can do the. Other one after. Yeah, Orwell's talking about those types of terminology you were using. He says the words democracy, socialism, freedom, patriotic, <laughs> realistic, justice have each of them several different meanings which cannot be reconciled with one another. And then he goes on to say words of this kind are often used in a consciously dishonest way. That is, the person who uses them has his own private definition but allows his hearer to think that he means something quite different. Yes, that's what I think American exceptionalism. That's the essence of the term American exceptionalism. People hear American extraordinariness. They hear the American experiment. But what they're not really hearing is that it's an exception. It's an exception to what? It's an exception to the law of nations. That's what it refers to. And if you press them on it, you can find that. But they don't want to talk about the definitions. We're, we're going to talk about that. More calls after the break. 800 WSB Talk or at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about, you know. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I'm the Libertarian Voice on WSB. Saturday afternoons from 3 to 6. And today, Sunday, right now, today anyway, special show 12 to 2. 
Next weekend, I'll have similar Sunday, 12 to 2, but only 5 to 6 on Saturday. So we are, uh, I was talking about the uh, CPAC, Trump's quote. Why why don't you replay that clip, Binkley? This is what Trump said. I took issue with this. More of a conservative than a Republican. People just didn't quite understand that. They didn't understand it. I think now with what we've done with the judiciary and so many other things, I think they get it very well. And it's driving the other side crazy. I just take issue with how how we define conservatives. So uh, I want to take a call. I'm going to go to Mike. Mike, you are on with Monica. Hi, Mike. Hi, Monica. The point you uh, just made relative to uh, a speaker saying something, realizing that his audience is taking it at a different meaning, to me pertains to the last guest you had on your show yesterday afternoon. Garland. came on and made the blanket statement that Georgia was ranked dead last, if I recall right, in voting procedures nationwide and failed to, until the very last comment, clarify that one of his prime criteria for that was ease of voting. No, 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 no. He said, I thought that's what ballot access meant. It does not. I thought he meant access to the ballot for voting. He said ballot access, meaning that if you're running, it's very hard to get on the ballot. If you're, well. uh, So, like, it's hard for a third party. What? Clarifying that up front, because it did not relate to the accuracy of the voting result, as as far as I could tell. But yet it came across like uh, we've got a red alert here in the state of Georgia on votes not being counted or whatever heinous type things could take place. When, in fact, it pertained more to me, it came across as pertaining more to whether or not a person could get qualified who had proper identification and so forth. Uh, I appreciate that. And I, I, oops, sorry. Uh, I, I personally don't, uh, I think there's absolutely no reason not to have ID to prove that you're eligible to vote. It makes no sense. If you're not going to, I went to law school and uh, there's a basic legal tenet that if you cannot enforce a law, it can't really be a law. So, if you don't want people to have eligibility criteria, if you if you can't test for eligibility criteria, then don't even have them. Just say presence at the poll is enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't make sense. And I don't think Garland objects to that. I don't know. But what he was talking yeah. about, I remember he did say it was ballot access, meaning it's very hard for like a libertarian to get on. And it's so tricky that you can have the the support and still not be on the ballot, which is a real advantage to Republicans and Democrats. Well, the discussions that have been had in recent months by some liberals who want just basically no ID and so forth for uh, illegal immigrants, Stacey Abrams and so forth, letting him vote. Uh, I would have appreciated if he had clarified it because I know as someone who uh, was in fact yeah, thank you. Thank you. For, I'm losing you a little bit, but thank you for the opportunity to clarify that. He uh, Garland does a lot of work at Voter GA. He founded. It's such good work. I mean, he's absolutely, in my experience, nonpartisan. He will defend uh, anyone from John Ossoff to Roy Moore in 
election irregularities and you should see him in action. And I'll tell you what he's why I had him on yesterday is that there is a call to action tomorrow, uh, Monday at 9 a.m. in the covered Dell uh, building across from the Capitol. It's CLOB 307. It's a Senate Ethics Committee. And they're talking about new voting systems here. And through research and expertise, uh, Garland and his group have determined that the paper ballot system that they recommend is better and cheaper and that the the ballot system that they're recommending cannot be audited. So you really can never check. And this Garland, uh, I, I believe it was a criminal complaint that he filed against Brian Kemp because as secretary of state, because the 2016 election was hacked in Georgia and in the investigation, uh, the data was all erased, and that was not normal operating procedure, although it was claimed to be. Uh, the uh, prosecutor, the government did not choose to pursue that case against Brian Kemp, but there are irregularities here, and we just need to be aware before this stuff gets out of control. All he's asking, all Garland wants, is for them to do a fiscal note. So if you can't make it to the meeting tomorrow at 9 a.m. in Atlanta— then just call your state senator or the legislator, uh, your favorite legislator or the governor, or the secretary of state, and just say, we need a fiscal note on this. We need to slow this down. We need to get the real answers, at least on the cost, uh, and also figure out the accuracy. But I have nothing but respect for Garland and, and what he's doing. And next time, I will make sure that it's crystal clear what he means by Georgia's terrible voting record voting integrity election integrity election integrity record thank you very much for the call uh binkley i wanted to ask you what was that yesterday another thing we we're talking about yesterday was the nature of the us versus them like who is on the top and it seems to be rather topical right now didn't you say like alex jones and joe rogan were having a tete-a-tete about that is that possible alex jones was on joe rogan last week for like felt like 12 hours (laughs) and frequently alex jones says they and joe rogan always catches him and says who's they who's they who's them right okay and somebody asked me that question and i gave my best answer i always think it's like the rockefellers the rothschilds and the Rhodes, the The Rhodes. Yeah, Rhodes, right? Cecil Rhodes. Oh, lizards is what I was. Oh, li- lizards. Yes, right. The um, interdimensional beings. Yes. Well, maybe. Like, I don't know, but that's not where I am. <laughs> that's not where I am. So, but Cecil Rhodes was, he, uh, Rhodesia is named after him. He founded De Beers. This is a guy who had some power. And I always think that about Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller. If you were very long lived, you know, like 100 years old, if you were basically potentially the richest person who ever existed. You know, I mean, it depends on how you cut the numbers, but he's up there he's in the short list and you were bad. <laughs> you know, what would you do? And you'd probably try to control the world forever and do that by setting up uh, perpetual institutions that your family could access and control and leave strict instructions. I actually knew somebody who was in a, an elite family and an ancestor of theirs wrote instructions. And they, when they got the keys to the kingdom, they had to abide by those instructions. So they can't be enforced by law because there's a rule against perpetuities in law. 
where you can't control property from the grave, but tax-exempt foundations are exempt from that. There's none that apply. So I was talking about Norman Dodd yesterday, who did uh, who did the research for the Reese Commission, which was the follow-on from the Cox Commission, about if tax-exempt foundations were engaged in un-American activities. And he concluded, yes, they were, and he recommended a rule against perpetuities for them so they couldn't just exist forever with this money and this agenda uh, because like a human being could not do that. And I think it's definitely food for thought. Uh, that is one source of like, who is them? He identified the Carnegie Endowment. Uh, but I referred to the book Tragedy and Hope written by Carol Quigley, where he basically identifies the them. And I think he was digging into the records of the Council on Foreign Relations. But a lot of these endowments and foundations are networked. But you found a quote that I found interesting from Tragedy and Hope. You want to share that with us? Yes. It, um, take me one second to pull it up. I've lost Oh, it sorry. <laughs> Let me just bring that on you. I'll have to find it after the break. I don't All right. Know well, no, let me went. take this call. I'll take this call. Curtis, Curtis, you are on with Monica. Hi, Curtis. Hey, I just had a comment con- concerning uh, voting. Yeah, good. Uh, it, I'm in a small county. And to go back to paper ballots, you would have to increase the number of polling stations, increase the number of poll workers. And then the other thing in nowadays with people, uh, you know, if you don't answer a text in two seconds, you're late with it. I mean, how long do you want to take to vote? I don't I don't think that's true. It's just it's just uh, like SAT stuff. I am certain that it doesn't cost more. It actually costs a lot less. So the man hour thing is not. Well, I hadn't. I hadn't spoken against the cost. I'm just right. saying. But the man it, hour it, thing it, is not relevant. You just have to pay people, and that cost is insignificant compared to what it costs for but the, the balance county. Uh, like this small county I live in, they have cut back to the bone, budget wise. I suppose they can't pay the people. They have, they've lost half the people they had in the county. This is what's you know, going on. Pay... This is what's huh? going on. They, they are revamping the voting in Georgia. And there are two basic proposals on the table. A ballot scanning machine, which actually you go in and you press a screen and your vote gets translated into a, a, a digital document that can be printed out. And then the... And then that printout goes into a pile for an audit. Or you can fill it in with a pencil, like an SAT, a standardized test, and feed it in yourself. And then that piece of paper goes into a big pile. Problem is, it's, it's not auditable to have the electronic ballot because it's printed out by the machine. There is no original paper trail to see that it was the original vote you can't just see it it can be printed out later it doesn't have to be printed out on the spot you can't just watch the thing go through the machine put it in a box watch the box it doesn't work like that and then the cost is dramatically different it's a hundred million dollars up front it's going to be more for the ballot machines and 10 million dollars a year in maintenance all the costs have been established but we spent an hour on it yesterday so i can't go back and i had my uh i had garland there taking calls It'll be, if you want to listen to that, the podcast does come up on um, the propreport.com, propagandareport.libsyn. Uh, we usually put it up on Wednesdays 
uh, WSB allows us to do it commercial free, which I really appreciate. So you can listen to it on Wednesday, but you can hear it in person. You can ask Garland all the questions. You can ask the, the state Senate all the questions tomorrow. It's an important issue. It's a big money issue. They're going to issue a 20-year bond to pay for a 10-year uh, infrastructure that has a life span of 10 years. It's a 20-year bond. Makes no sense. So go talk to them yourself and show them that we're engaged and interested in this issue and want to see hear their answers. That's Monday at 9 a.m., at the Coverdale Building, CLOB 307 is the room. It's the Senate Ethics Committee. And you will see uh, Garland there. And um, let's finish that. I got right up to the break. That's so funny I, I, that people wanted to return to that topic. Uh, let's go right up to the break and wrap it up. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. This will not stand, you know. This aggression will not stand, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I'm trying to squeeze in a lot in this last little segment. I want to talk to Bob. Bob, I'll give you one minute and the last word. Go. You're on with Monica. Uh, hi, Monica and Bankley. Uh, I haven't called in a few years, but as you probably know, I agree with most of your assessment of our government. And I don't know how much of your program is choreographed to ensure good entertainment value. No, none. Good. But I'd like to step back, way back, and get the big picture. If you analyze only the players appearing on the stage, you can't ever understand the actual strategies and motives behind what is happening. And I know that you're not afraid to, to propound or to entertain other people's conspiracy theories. And I admire that courage. And I know that you were exposed to or maybe steeped in religion in your childhood, and you've expressed numerous times your openness to religion, which I also admire, but you appear to be closest to agnostic. Uh, and I'd like to just explain, I guess, three sentences here, my philosophy, which is going to precede my question. Uh, I don't believe a literal interpretation of the Bible because it is reasonable, and I certainly don't believe it because it is unreasonable. I don't believe in Orthodox Christianity because I was catechized as a child and it was pounded in my head every day. I grew up in a rather unreligious family. I believe because faith was given to me, it was external to me, and then it was internal. Divine faith, absolute faith, not proportional. I don't believe 92% and doubt 8%. I simply believe. And I can't tell anyone else that it's reasonable for them to believe that the Bible is absolutely true. My natural mind does not see it. Dude, as a Bob, reason. I gotta cut you off. You got me off track. You told the screener you wanted to talk about the celebrity status of politicians, and I only have one minute left. <laughs> I appreciate that you called back, but you gotta you've gotta stay on point. Um, Binkley had that quote. You've got to read for me. So go for it, Binkley. This is from Carol Quigley. There does exist and has existed for a generation an international Anglophile network which operates to some extent in the way the radical right believes the Communist Act. In fact, this network, which we may identify as the Roundtable Group, has no aversion to cooperating with the Communist or any other groups and frequently does so. So this was pointing to, and I appreciate that Bob knows I'm open to conspiracy theories and other points of view, this was talking about who is the them and the them is above party that's what that was trying to point out sorry uh we're done no more time but i'll be back next weekend saturday 5 to 6 and sunday 12 to 2 this is monica perez for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.